Get your Bibles tonight and go to John chapter 3. pastor called me a little while ago. looks like they lost some lost water at his house, and so he's been trying to figure out how to get that back on and asked me if I'd step in tonight. So, sorry, you got the, uh, you got the, the fourth string or whatever I am. So, take your Bibles, go to John chapter 3 tonight. <clears throat> We'll start there and we'll end somewhere else. I'll get there in just a second. But it should be a familiar passage to you. And uh, I'm sure it is. Jesus Christ uh, talking to Nicodemus here in John chapter 3. We just came through this in the kids' Sunday school class or the teen Sunday school class. I hate to call them kids. Um... But uh, we are going through the life of Christ at this moment, so we're going through chronologically all the different accounts in the Gospels and, and how they run together and some of the uh, doctrinal and spiritual lessons that are found in, in the different places uh, as you go through the life of Jesus Christ. And it's been a pretty interesting um, lesson thus far, but as we're going down through this, I had a couple thoughts here that I thought might be a blessing to you tonight. So starting in John chapter number 3, looking... Uh, Look in, we'll just go ahead and start with, um, I should probably get in John chapter 3. Let's see here, let's go to uh, verse 5. I'll start in verse, we'll go in verse 1. Uh, There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb, and he be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in church tonight. Father, I pray as we look into these uh, few thoughts here, uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd give me clarity and help, uh, Lord, as I, as I try to venture through the things that you've put in my heart. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd uh, anoint me with the Holy Spirit. Father, wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that give us something to chew on, something to think about. As we go about the rest of our work week, Lord, and I pray that you bring us back here again on Sunday to get something from you. But Lord, give us something tonight, Lord, and uh, help us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here, John is, uh, 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 John's recording the conversation that Jesus Christ has between uh, himself and Nicodemus. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff packed in this, in this chapter, by the way. John chapter 3 um, uh, is, is what you would call a salient passage in the Bible. There's a couple other salient passages. Salient simply meaning something of great importance or something that uh, uh, a great uh, change or a great b- bunch of information takes place in that. Uh, Genesis uh, with, uh, with uh, um, Abraham and Isaac, that is a salient passage. Um, I think that's Genesis 22 off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but uh, uh, it's, a, it's what they call a salient passage. And so in uh, verse 3, Jesus answers um, an inquisitive Nicodemus. And it's funny because you see a lot uh, just in how Jesus Christ answers Nicodemus. And uh, it's kind of a jab, you know. Uh, Nicodemus is, is, is asking, you know, Jesus Christ or is approaching Jesus Christ and he, and he approaches him with flatteries. And, you know, that's the way a lot of people, when they're trying to get something out of you, you know, they talk nicely, they talk flowery to you, you know, and, uh, you know, the Bible tells you to watch out for a guy that talks flatteries to you because he's probably setting a net for your feet, right? And so somebody's talking smooth to you, somebody's trying to, you know, butter you up, they're trying to sell you something, they're trying to get at your pocketbook, they're try- they have an ulterior motive, and, uh, and it says here that Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees. It also says uh, that uh, he, he, he's, um, he's uh, well-known and uh, talks to Jesus Christ. And when he says he calls him rabbi, and he says no man can do the miracles unless God be with him. And uh, supposedly this guy, um, 
He's a, he's a ruler. He's got some, he's got some uh, authority, if you will. And uh, Jesus Christ hits him with something in verse 3 that just makes his head spin. He says, uh, answer, uh, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so what, what is he doing? He's taking, he's taking Nicodemus and he's basically he's dressing him down. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus Christ and he's you know, I'm going to talk nice to him, you know, because after all, we're, I, I, th- I see myself as his equal. You see how he's approaching Jesus Christ? I see him as my equal. So, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm in with the rabbis and I'm in with the Pharisees and I'm, you know, a ruler in Israel. And so obviously God's with this guy, but God's with all the guys that I'm around. That's, uh, God hangs out with the crowd that I hang out with, you know. And so I'm just going to go ahead and, hey, Jesus, how you doing, man? And bump shoulders with him and, and uh, you know, uh, you know how, how's it going? And Jesus Christ, he, listen, Nicodemus, look at what he says. Uh, in verse 2, it says uh, uh, unto him, Rabbi, no, uh, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He doesn't even ask him a question. And Jesus Christ just hits him with a, hey, uh, don't you know that if, you don't, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God? This ludicrous statement. Something that is, he, he has never heard a day in his life. A concept that in his mind is like, What? <laughs> And you see his befuddlement in verse 4 when Nicodemus says back to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He says, You are out of your stinking mind. And then Jesus says, Just in case you, were, you thought I stuttered, let me go ahead and say it again. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, in verse, um, verse 7 he says, Marvel not thy saying to you, you must be born again. And then look in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? He says, You're so stinking smart. Why don't you? How come I'm the one telling you this for the first time? I thought you were smart. I thought you were educated. I thought that you had all this great wisdom and uh, Israel should look up to you and they should think that you're something great. Uh, why, Why are you having a hard time with this simple truth? You know, we look at it as a simple truth because, you know, we understand doctrinally uh, uh, the, the second birth. And we understand, you know, uh, that uh, born again simply means that you're saved uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, your soul's cut away from your body. And, and uh, now you have a new father and an adoption and all those great church age doctrines that we enjoy today. We know that. And this was completely new to Nicodemus. But Jesus Christ was trying to show him something. And a lot of times when God tries to show you something, He takes you down a road that's very uncomfortable. The first thing that Jesus Christ does to Nicodemus is He challenges his intellect. He challenges Nicodemus because he thinks he knows something. And Jesus Christ says, oh, you think you know something? Uh, Except you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And it just blows his mind. And... There's a lot of other stuff in John chapter 3, but this is a, this is a principle here. I mean, I mean you, there's plenty of stuff in John chapter 3 that you can get messed up on. You can go, except a man is born of the, uh, of the water and of the Spirit. There's your Campbellites. There's your Church of Christ. Well, if you're not baptized, you can't be saved. There it is right there. Okay? Not only that, uh, look in verse 3. He says, uh, he says, Jesus answered said unto him, Verily by saying unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, you can break your neck there too. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and he's not, he's not dead yet, and he's, he, he's uh, technically still in an Old Testament setup. So if you're in an Old Testament setup, you know that the theme of the Old Testament is the king and his kingdom, and you know that that's the kingdom of God. And when Jesus Christ is on the earth, you know that both the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are present. And I'm not trying to go over everybody's head here tonight, but if you wanted to break your neck on it, you could break your neck on verse number three because guess what? You got the kingdoms all messed up. Everybody following me so far? (laughs) Uh, There's a whole lot more than just, hey, you got to be born again. You know, you must be born again. Yeah, it's in there, but there's a whole lot more here. You go to baptismal regeneration in here with the Campbellites, like I said, over there in verse 5. And then verse 10, 
Look at what he says in verse 10. He says again, Jesus answered unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things. You live in a society today that has made a God out of higher education. You live in a society today that, uh, you know what is, amazes me? I talk to, I talk to young people. Um, I don't just exclusively talk to young people, but I tend to talk to young people quite often. And uh, what I find out is, is every single one of them wants to be an intellectual. Every one of them. I've had people come in when teaching Bible class on Thursday nights. I've had young folks come in there and have conversations with them uh, for lengthy periods of time after class. And you know what they want to do? They want to argue about the intricate, uh, you know, uh, details of, of uh, mythology. And they want to talk about, you know, all this stuff in space and science and psychology and all this stuff. Because, and, they're, and they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. They're intellectual. They're real smart. There's a catalyst for why people think they're real smart, and that's because you have this thing called Google. And you thought because you Googled it meant you were an expert at it. And the truth of the matter is, is just because you got Google don't mean you're smart. And newsflash, not everything you read on Google is the truth. You know that if you go to Google for spiritual wisdom, you probably won't get any. Right? Here's Nicodemus. He's looking for something. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're looking for because you think you're smart. You think you're smart. You know, that's our problem a lot of times. We think, we think we're smart. You know what happens to a lot of preachers? Sometimes they try to get too big, too big-headed in their preaching. Try to find something new. You got, you know, you got pressure on you to try to, you know, uh, uh, to try to come up with something that nobody's ever seen before or thought before, and uh, and 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 you try to wax elephant or eloquent or whatever you call it, you know. And you know what you end up doing? You end up putting the the feed so far above where everybody can get it that nobody gets anything from your preaching, because you're always trying to be so deep. You look at Paul here, look in uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to show you a couple things, and I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me, okay? This, this, is, this, is, uh, this is a hard truth. This isn't meant to be uh, a sharp rebuke or anything, but this is, this is uh, meant to be um, something. It's just something to be mindful of, I would say. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look in verse number 13. Paul says, which things also we speak, not in the words which cometh, or what, uh, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Paul says, listen, we're not coming in words that man think and man teach. Look in the next chapter, chapter number three, look in verse number 19, Paul addressing them again. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Don't you think it's kind of ironic that in two chapters back to back, and he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's telling them, listen, I'm not coming to you in what other men are teaching. I'm not coming to you in worldly wisdom. Don't you find it kind of like you, you can kind of see a parallel in the world in which you live? Because in 1 Corinthians, you know that he's addressing a carnal church who has allowed a sin to go on in their midst, a sin that's not so much named among the Gentiles. And he says that that needs to be cast away. But the problem is, is they are gloating that they're allowing it. They see nothing wrong with allowing it to be there. Don't you know that you live in a time where now tolerance is the highest form of intellect? You are enlightened because you now have learned to tolerate what God says is wicked. That is what we classify as worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. And then we know that in the Old Testament, we know that a, 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 a nation can be condemned because they call good evil and evil good. Right? And so I don't find it to be a mistake that back to back he addresses the fact, I'm not coming to you like the people you're listening to. I'm not coming to you like what you read on your little Google article when you pulled up and said, oh, well, how, what is a Christian supposed to act like? 
See, what the problem is, is that we've all created, I should say we all, but I should say there's a lot of folks that have created this, this, uh, this form of Christianity in their own mind based upon what they've read, based upon social pressures, based upon news media, based upon uh, uh, modern day preachers and ecumenical movements, and that a Christian is thus. But we have a Bible. And I'm not preaching tonight after what men count as wisdom and what men teach. I, listen, the Bible just told you that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Is foolishness. You know that you have churches now that put on their signs, we are, inclusive, we are an inclusive safe space with a rainbow on it. I wonder who they're talking about. Now, you say that in a Baptist church now, and it's like, oh, man, he went there. I can't believe he just said something like that. Are you serious? Is Romans 1 still in the Bible? I'm not going back to Leviticus for, 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 for that. But that is so unpopular. And now the church has taken it to a level where if I tolerate certain things in my life, that means I am exhibiting liberty. And that means because I have the liberty to do this, that means I'm spiritual enough to handle it. That sounds to me like some worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Look in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. So we know, based on this, he's talking to the Corinthian church, the second uh, letter to them, and he's, and he's saying that they're rejoicing, right? Because that in simplicity and godly sincerity. Simplicity, simple. Simple-minded. You want to know who likes to get complex? The devil. The devil likes to overcomplicate Simple things. Because salvation, unless you, in case you didn't know, is very simple. Right? right? Believe on Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? If a man believe in his heart, confess with his mouth, you be saved. That's pretty simple. The gospel message that we preach is pretty simple. That Christ was buried. Christ, you know, was buried. Uh... He died, he was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Pretty simple. But the Bible tells you that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ your son unto them. He says he's blinded them from what? The simplicity that's in Christ. So we know that this worldly wisdom, this high intellectual stuff. And the reason I, 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 I said this to your teenagers, by the way. You want to know why? Because I live in a world that the stuff that we teach and preach in this church to the world is like, well, you stupid, silly, little, old-fashioned, fuddy-duddy. I can't believe you actually believe that. That is just absolutely absurd. They're the ones that are under the pressure. Young folks are under the pressure. You college people and folks that are working, young guys that working careers and stuff like that, that right there, what is that? Everybody's got to be a know-it-all. Everybody's a big shot. Because after all, you got to make sure that people can, you have to be an influencer. You know what they say, the number one uh, uh, job uh, desire right now amongst uh, young people is to be like a YouTuber. It's to be an influencer. Somebody who's got it all figured out. Somebody who is going to take their wisdom and impart it to others. Now, I want to get to this thing in James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. Now, you guys already know this stuff.
But God help us if we ever get to the place where we start to intermingle worldly wisdom with godly wisdom. Look here with me, if you will, in James chapter number 1. Look in verse number 5. If any man, or if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for that wavereth is, uh, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not the man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we, we find out, we know, we know that wisdom from above is first peaceable, it's pure, and all those, those attributes that the Lord gives it, right? We understand that. That's also here in the book of James. And so we have to understand that worldly wisdom, God tells us what it looks like. He tells us what it, it's easy to be entreated. Right? We understand that worldly, worldly wisdom is complicated. It's complex. You want to know why a lot of people don't get saved now? It's because there's so much information out there that it muddies up the waters and it's hard to see what's truth and what's not. I'll be honest with you. I'm glad. I'm glad that I, 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 didn't, I didn't wait until I was in you know, the age I am now to start hearing the gospel. I'm, I'm really glad that it was when I was 13 years old that I heard the gospel and I got saved. I'm thankful for that. Because in today's world, it's like you've been given so much information. Don't you know, the reason why everybody's freaking out today is because you don't know what to believe. You have no idea what to believe. Because the one side says this and the one side says that. And then you've got these voices over here. And then you have these independent journalists over here. And they chime in with this. And don't you know, they're just trying to suppress this information from you. And don't you know, well, this is how the numbers are. And this is how the numbers are. Don't you know, this is what the side effects are. This is what the side. And you don't know what to believe. What's an easy way to, to confuse people? To make things complex? It's to bombard you with information bombard you with information and nobody has to prove their sources nobody so you're a lost person today and you're like well i don't know what's right there's about 800 different kinds of baptists out there there's pentecostals and there's charismatics and there's church of christ and there's church of god and well i thought god and christ and what's the difference and and don't you know that there's the catholics and then you get into the 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 oriental religions and hinduism and taoism and maoism and other isms how do i know what's right how do i know what's true there's so much information being pumped out that it's like the devil's like that's exactly how i want it to be Because it's almost impossible to pull out the godly wisdom out of this pool of false information. Say, what's the problem? Just like the news media ain't proven their sources, neither is other religions proven their sources. You know, every time isn't it funny that every time they get a they get a Christian or evangelical on the news, he's some stinking fairy. You know what I'm saying? Every time they put a Christian on the news, it's like the the guy's apologizing for hell or something. It's like they put Joel Osteen on with, uh, what's his name? The late night guy. Larry something? Larry King. King. And Larry King's a Jew. And he says, oh, I'm a Jew, so if I don't believe like you, does that mean I'm going to hell? And Joel will go, oh, no, Larry, you're a great guy. There's many ways to heaven. He's our representative? (laughs) He don't speak for me. (laughs) Name your sources. Because you want to know why? It's just confusing you and confusing you and confusing you and confusing you. And that's just not salvation stuff, folks. That's doctrinal stuff. That's how should a Christian act. That's how should... Listen, I understand. Listen, God gave the church people... He gave them apostles and, and, uh, and prophets and evangelists and preachers, teachers to teach the Word of God. 
and to, and to uh, uh, nurture you up in the admonition of the Lord, so on and so forth. And, and God gives us these people in our lives to, to help us. And he says, I just find it peculiar. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You know what that tells me? He says, well, if any of you lack wisdom. Can I ask you a question? Does anybody in here think they're smarter than God? Don't raise your hand. That would make you look foolish. It's a loaded question. He's asking here, if any man lack wisdom. You mean there's people out there that don't think they do? That means that there's people going through their life right now like, nah, I got it. No big deal. I don't need any wisdom. I already got the wisdom. No big deal. So in order for you to get wisdom... Because that's what I want. I want the truth. I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to believe a fable. I want to I somehow get through the muddiness and the murkiness of all this information and appropriate that one thing that's true. I want to get behind all the white noise and see clearly. The Bible says, oh, you want wisdom? Well, if you lack it, you better ask for it. First thing is, you better realize you don't know it. You say, of course, nobody in here. You ask the question, does anybody in here think they're smarter than God? Nobody raised their hand. This is a non-issue. You know what I find peculiar when you talk to folks? Because they always, you're sitting there talking, right? Somebody comes up and they're talking to you and, you know, you know I'll just say this. We were training a guy one time and, uh, and he had never been on the job before and I was trying to tell him, trying to tell him, you know, this is, this is how to use a mulch blower, and this is, you know, this, that, and the other. And as I'm telling him this, he's never touched a mulch blower before in his life, let alone seen one. I don't know, I doubt he'd ever seen one. And as I'm telling him, he's going, I know, I know, I know, I know. And eventually, I was just like, all right, just blow the thing up. I don't care. <laughs> Walk away. Why? How can you teach somebody who thinks they know it? You know, you talk, to, you talk to folks and you start, you know, having a conversation and it's, I know. You ever catch yourself doing that? You ever catch yourself doing that? You ever catch yourself in a conversation and you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like, you know, you maybe have asked that person a question and they start to answer your question and you're like, oh yeah, I know that. It's like, okay, well then shut up. Right? <laughs> Why'd you ask? Why did you ask? You know what else they do? Sometimes they don't say, I know. You're in a conversation with somebody, and, uh, and, and everything comes out of your mouth is what you know. You don't know how to bounce the ball back both ways because all of your conversations are one-dimensional. And it's you telling somebody what you know. Because it's impossible to have a conversation where somebody could possibly tell you something that you don't know. <laughs> right? You want to know why there's shallow friendships and shallow relationships? It's because one party thinks they know everything. And so the relationship works for a little while or the friendship works for a little while, right? Because the one person just sits there and soaks and sits there and soaks and sits there and soaks. And then when they start to repeat themselves, because undoubtedly that's what ends up happening, you end up repeating yourself because you don't know as much as you thought you did. But you can't get feedback from anybody else. So you just, every conversation is you giving advice. And every conversation is you imparting some kind of wisdom to somebody else. And then it's like, no way, man. And it's very shallow. It's very shallow. If any man lack wisdom, do I lack wisdom? Well, I don't know. Listen to yourself sometime. You know what it takes for you to get wisdom? You have to become vulnerable. You have to become vulnerable. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard thing to do if you're a red-blooded male or a human being. I don't know. You know what? Paul was so, was so not uh, afraid to tell people the same thing twice. You ever had that happen before? You know, somebody comes up and talking to you and they're giving you some advice or something like that. And they're telling you something that you have already heard before. You've already heard it. So you know it. But the problem is, is maybe the person is telling you that underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because you may know it here, but you don't know it here yet. 
And Paul says in Philippians, he says, I come and I, and I say the same thing to you again. He says, for me, it is not grievous. He says, I'm telling you the same thing I've already said. He says, for me, it's not grievous, but for you, it is safe. For you, it is safe. That's Philippians chapter 3. So you know what? You know what sometimes the best thing to do when someone's sitting there talking to you and trying to tell you something? Uh, how about this? How, how often in conversation do you ask questions? How often do you ask questions? Because you want to figure out what somebody else knows. Maybe they don't know as much as you. Maybe they don't. But you're now, now you're, at least you're not coming off as, well, you know everything. Um, how about, uh, uh, how about um, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You want to know what I find is a detriment to getting wisdom? The Bible says God wants to give it. He braideth not. He says, I'll give it, I'll give it to you lumps, man. Over in Proverbs, he tells you, seek me, seek me early, you'll find me. He wants to be found. Right? For those that are looking, for those that are earnestly looking, God says, I can be found. The truth can be found. Uh, 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 worldly wisdom can be, can be cleared out, and you can have truth sitting right in front of you. I can be found. Why do you think, think wisdom personified in Proverbs is Jesus Christ? Is that peculiar? Is that coincidence? No, it's not. Right? So we're talking about getting wisdom. You first have to realize that you, that you don't know everything. If any man lack wisdom, you've got to say, well, I lack it. And then if you lack it, the Bible tells you you got to ask for it. But if you ask for it, you better be careful because it may come in a form you're not looking for. Isn't that what happened to the, to the Israelites when Jesus Christ came? They're underneath Roman rule. And here comes the Savior. And they failed to identify Jesus Christ. And what did they do? They killed him. They killed him. There's what, that was your answer. That was the guy. And you killed him. Because you failed to identify what God sent you. Sometimes you ask for wisdom, and God will give it from an unlikely source. And if you're not careful, you'll blow over that thing. Because it's not what you thought it was. You know what I found out a lot of times? You ever heard the uh, term familiarity breeds contempt? Anybody ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that term before. You know what's funny? And I've been saying that. Well, a lot of things are funny tonight. I don't know. Is that I was, uh, I was, working, I was working down in Pensacola when I was in Bible college, and I got this, this really sweet gig. I got to be a custodian at the church. And so I got to stay on campus at Brother Dickman's old trailer, and me and Brother Johnson were, you know, basically... Uh, we were basically the custodians for the church. So I got to live there rent-free. I had a, like a part-time job, and then I worked at the church. I didn't get paid to work at the church. I got to work at the church, and I got to live there for rent-free, right? And I remember I went home for a summer. It was, my, it was the beginning of my second year. I went home for the summer, and I come back, and I had missed a, a while. There was some stuff that happened in New York and, and everything that postponed my flight. I missed my flight, and it was just a big mess. And I ended up getting stranded in Ohio for like three weeks. And uh, I never called. I never did anything. It was really stupid. And when I got back, when I got back, uh, Mrs. Johnson met me at, uh, I went over to their house, and Mrs. Johnson met me out in the front yard, and uh, she says, you got to go. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean I got to go? She's like, oh, yeah, you, you've been gone like half the summer. You got to leave. And she was right. I was just young and stupid. I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, she said, and I said, well, where, where's, where's Brother Johnson at? He says, well, he doesn't want to talk to you right now. I said, okay. And she says, familiarity breeds contempt. You know that, right? I was like, hmm. I've heard that. You know what she was saying? She's saying, you got so comfortable in the situation that you had that you failed to realize that you still had a responsibility.
And since you took so light of it because you become so familiar, me and Brother Johnson got to be pretty good friends and we talk and we have good time and everything else and we get a lot of work done and everything. And he said, you become so lax in how you view Brother Johnson that you didn't think you had to answer to him. Well, listen, we still love you and we're still friends, but this position is gone. I'll never forget that lesson. I'll never forget that lesson. You want to know what ends up happening? You get familiar with certain people, and then you, you start to lose. You start to lose the ability to get something from them. You, you, you lose the ability to learn from people because you get familiar with them. There was a guy who used to go to church here. And uh, I remember the first time I met him, I never met him before. I was here. Uh, I wasn't even coming to this church at the time. I was still in Indiana. And uh, I met him out here in the parking lot, and I was introduced to him. And he had come back from PBI. And uh, I remember he, he, when, he, when, he, when he saw me, he was like, you're Joe Biano. I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> he was like, I've heard so many stories about, and I'm like, dear Lord, this is not a good thing. <laughs> this is not a good thing, right? And, uh, and, and, and he went down there after I had graduated, and I had been out several years by the time he was down there, and I had a lot of friends down there, and I had a lot of good experiences down there. The Lord was really good to me down in, in Florida and allowed me to do some things, and he said, I've heard these stories, and it was just like, it was weird, you know, and he was like, man, I really look up to you. Well, we fast forward, I, I ended up moving over here, right? And I got to know him, and he got to know me. And then in the process of getting to know me, he found out about a situation that took place down in Pensacola that was none of his business, right? Had nothing to do with him. It was like four or five years old, right? And then all of a sudden, the same person that, hangs on every word you say and looks up to you and all this. You know what happens? He started to, he got to peek in to the inner workings of an individual and realized, oh, well, maybe he's not all it's cracked up to be. And you know what? Never. You count on one hand the amount of times we talked after that. Right? You get familiar with people and you know what ends up happening? You can't get nothing from them because you realize that they're flesh just like you. And then you start to relate with them. It's like, oh, well, we're, we're the same person. And what happens is you get familiar and then you tend to forget about their experience, about their upbringing, about different things that they know that maybe you don't know. Maybe they're your peer and maybe they just have, they're more experienced in a certain area than you are. You realize that we're in a church and we learn from each other a lot of times. And so, the, and, 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 I'm all, and, I, and I'm for having strong relationships, and I am for, you know, building friendships, and I'm for that. Don't get me wrong. Understand that there's a balance to what I'm telling you tonight, but you've better be, there's, you better be careful about peeking in and getting to really know people sometimes and getting into the nitty-gritty. And listen, there's certain things, there's certain things that'll hurt you if you find out about people. And then God will come by. You say, Lord, I need wisdom. And God says, well, I was going to give you wisdom, but now you fail to identify that that's where I was going to give it to you at. It happens to kids, doesn't it? Kids, I've told this to the teenagers, so you parents, you just sit there and go, yeah, tell them again. <laughs> right? You grow up and you get to be a teenager and you're like, oh, well, you know, when, when they're small, you're like, you're the hero. You're the, I mean, no, my dad can whoop everybody, you know, and my mom, she's so amazing. And then they get a little older and then they realize you're a, you're a human being. And maybe they see an inconsistency. God forbid that a child would see an inconsistency in their parent. Right? Because after all, you're perfect. Right? <laughs> of course. But then they start to have these little things called brains and they grow and then they get to this thing where they can think and reason. Now, it's at a very low level, but I mean, they're thinking and they're reasoning, right? And then all of a sudden, they become real familiar and they say, well, I can't learn nothing from them anymore. Amen. I get no amens right there. Are you serious right now? Zero amens? Zero amens. 
<laughs> they say, I can't learn anything from you anymore. You're a buffoon. I know everything. And you become so familiar with your parents and you say, well, I know this and I've seen that and I've seen this. And I mean, what are they going to tell me? And God says, oh, I wish you would have just listened to them. And you forgot that, you know, they're your parents and you forgot that they have your best interest in mind. And because you're so familiar with them now and, and after all, you're so smart and you know all this stuff and you've been on Google and, uh, you know, you, you've read some things and, and uh, you've heard preaching and, you, and now, now you use the preaching that you hear at you aiming at your parents, you know? Right? And then and you go, oh, well, that preacher said this and my parents do that. Discredit everything they ever told me. And God says, you're going to miss it. You're going to wind yourself up in a mess. The kid out here I, uh, I knew for years down at Jimmy Hood's church, ran away from home, ended up uh, meeting him at a restaurant and trying to disciple him, help him out a little bit. He was all a mess, out of church, everything else, and just ran away from home. Parents didn't even know where he was. Met him at a restaurant just by, just by the Lord, just put us there. And uh, I ended up calling his parents and said, listen, I know where he's at. He's, he's here in Dayton. He's from Columbus. And they were just like ecstatic that I, even, that, that, that I even knew where he was, that he wasn't dead in a ditch somewhere. And I remember sitting out there in the parking lot, way up there by the old sign. And uh, he looked at me, and I've been trying to get him to come to church, trying to get him to come to church. He says, you know what? When I wake up, I just don't want to go to church. And I don't know how to stop that. I said, yeah. It's a lot harder than what you thought it was, isn't it? Because, you know, after I get to talking to him, he spilled the beans on everything. Well, my parents do this, and my dad does this, and my mom does this, and my brothers, and my pastor, and all these people, and all this stuff that's wrong with them. Right? And I said, yeah, but you've been in church since nine months before you were born. You know what you just found out? It's a lot harder to stay in church than what you thought it was, wasn't it? Yeah, you see flaws in people. And you become real familiar with them, but you tend to forget what they did. That was right. You say, where is he at now? I have no idea. Not in church. Stinking mess. I'll give you this illustration to prove my point. And then we'll we'll take prayer requests. Here's Saul. Right? Dad loses loses the the, uh, donkeys. Says, hey, go after Go find them. So they go out, journey, everything else. They come across Samuel. And here's Saul. That's the man of God. That is the man of God. That's God's prophet. We can't just go to him and inquire. We gotta, we gotta band something together here to give this guy. This guy's worthy. I mean, this guy, he he is God's prophet. We need to give him something if we're gonna, if we're gonna get counsel from him, if he's gonna impart unto us some wisdom, it's gonna cost me something because. He's way up here, and we're just little peons down here, and we have great respect for this man of God, Samuel. Great man of God. You know the story of Samuel. And there was nobody that that didn't let the words of the Lord fall to the ground like Samuel. Samuel that had the background of his mother taking him up there, the one that saw the transition and the wickedness of, uh, uh, of Eli's sons and everything else, and then to see the transition from a wicked thing to where God put him at the forefront. What an amazing experience. What a great prophet. Saul says, this guy's, this guy's the ticket, man. And you know the story. He goes up there just looking for where the donkeys are. And Samuel says, come with me. He says, stand still and let me show you the words of the Lord. And he anoints his head with oil and says, guess what, boy? You're going to be the king. That sucker, he's floating. Samuel, the man of God, he like, he anointed me as king. I got one-on-one time with Samuel. Who can say that they've had one-on-one time with Samuel? I can And he goes back, and he gets to be king. Fast forward a little while. Samuel says, hey, uh, Saul, I need you to do something. This is the same Samuel that he went to all them years before. You know that, right? And Samuel comes to him and says, you need to kill all of them. Agag, the sheep, everything. Kill them all. He says, yeah, no problem. 
And what does he do? He disobeys Samuel blatantly. And then Samuel comes back and says, uh, what is this bleeding of the sheep and lowing of cattle? I've done everything you told me to do, Samuel. It's funny. He gets in his mind and says, yeah, but he's old. And he's not, he's not the king. See, I'm the king, and I've got all this experience now. And I, I mean, I'm the king, and I know he anointed me king, and I know that I wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for Samuel. But, but after all, I'm the king, and, and I know how things should play out and how things are in my mind and how, things, how I want things to play out. And I need, I need him now, and he's not here. He's not here on my time. And so I'm just going to do it my way. And what does he do? He foregoes the words of Samuel. Why? Too familiar with him. Too comfortable. Too comfortable. You know what he did? He forgot who he was talking to. Forgot who he was talking to. Cost him his kingdom. Cost him his family. Cost him his life. Right? Samuel, he's just old fuddy-duddy. He said, what are you trying to say tonight? You need to be careful. Because this world, it just, you're bombarded with just stuff. And if you're going to, you know, differentiate between the false and the true, God says if you lack wisdom, if you, could be, if you could be here tonight and say, hey, you know what, I don't know everything. I'm confused. All right, Lord, will you show me something? Will you show me the truth? Will you show me? You want to know why a lot of folks don't get anything out of church? Is they come to church and they already know everything. You want to know why some haven't changed at all? You're the same today as you were five years ago. You want to know why? You think you know it all. And nobody can tell you anything different. Nobody can, nobody can budge your heart. Nobody can melt that heart of stuff. Nobody can touch you because you already know. Well, I'm older than them. Okay. All right. You do realize that I don't care who's preaching. God uses preaching. He bears witness to preaching. Whether it's a donkey doing it or if it's Paul doing it. How do you approach preaching? Oh, I've heard this preach before. I've heard this before. He's given that illustration 500 times. Getting a little familiar, aren't you? You know, there's a reason why the pastors of churches, and I'll talk, to, uh, talk about our pastor for a second, there's a reason why he's not having dinner in everybody's house every weekend. It's called healthy separation. And as a minister, you've got to have it. And if, because why? Because familiarity. And all of a sudden, you know, oh, we're buddies and, you know, we're this, that, and the other. And, and we, yeah, I got a special thing with the, the pastor. No. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because what will end up happening is, is you're going to say, Lord, I want something. I, give me wisdom. Maybe you have prayed that. And you're like, well, I haven't changed at all. Maybe it's coming from a source that you've discredited. Maybe it's coming from a source that you don't like. Maybe, maybe God is doing that so you'd quit being so prideful because, after all, you don't know what you thought you knew. Because just because we know Bible doesn't mean we know anything. You realize that learning the Bible is like the basic. That's the basic stuff. There's so much more to Christianity than just knowing the Bible. Just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you walk with God. Just because you know the Bible doesn't, doesn't mean that you have a heart for souls. Just because you know the Bible doesn't give you power with God. The devil knows the Bible. Am I right? The devil knows the Bible better than you. <laughs> he knows the Bible better than me. Does that make him holy? Does that make him righteous? Does that make him 
right? Does he know everything? Obviously got something skewed. If I was the devil, I'd get saved. You've heard that said before. If I had this Bible, if I really wanted to mess up the Bible, man, if I really wanted to mess up God, I'd just get saved. Because the Bible says he's going to be, you know, tossed in a lake of fire for all of eternity. I'm like, well, I'm going to fix that. Lord Jesus, would you save me? I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm way wrong. <laughs> well, that ain't going to happen. Because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And you can't intermingle the world's wisdom and godly wisdom. You can't do it. They don't, it's like oil and water. And don't think that if you're going to try to hold on to this worldly wisdom and you're not going to do the things necessary to get godly wisdom, the Bible tells you, you know what it says? He says, uh, don't let that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Don't let him think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. I don't know about you tonight, but I know this. I need wisdom. I got too much stuff going on in my life to try to think that I've got it all under control. I've got too, listen, I've got too much stuff going on in my life to go a day without praying. I've got too much stuff going on in my life to go a day without seeking God in this book. You know what? I, I'll take advice from anybody. I try to become better at asking questions. Try to become better at not telling people what I know, but rather, how can I glean from somebody and what they know? Because you know what you find out? Even if somebody doesn't know as much as you, they'll teach you something. They'll teach you something. But when Christianity becomes isolated in your own mind and in your own thoughts to where God can't put somebody in your life to give you something that you need because we so quickly discredit and they don't have that and they don't meet this requirement and they don't meet this, God says, I can't teach you anything. If I was to wrap up Saul's life, you know what I'd say it was? I would, I, would, I would title Saul's life this, The Unfortunate Life of an Unteachable Man. Because he had it all. And then he lost it. Because he got too familiar. And he forgot the source in which God was going to give him his wisdom. And he tried to go on his own, and he messed the thing up. So I hope, hopefully you can chew on that for this week and, and until we get back on Sunday. And uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. I hope something that was said here made sense. God, I hope that it uh, wasn't taken as a, uh, a rough rebuke, but rather just a warning or something to be cognizant of as we have our conversations with one another and as we try to grow uh, in the midst of, uh, of each other, Lord. We have things to offer one another, Lord. There's experiences that folks have and uh, Lord, none of us have experienced everything. And that's uh, honestly, though, just a benefit of being in a church with so many different people from all these different walks of life and different backgrounds and different upbringings and all these kinds of things, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to, uh, Lord, always uh, give the respect uh, to other people, uh, Lord God, and, uh, and give folks the benefit of the doubt, Father. Help us to learn. Help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd bless this time, bless the remainder of the service and the prayer requests, and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.